Hey, and welcome to the Furnace Podcast. To know us, we are a YWAM community based by the sea in the beautiful city of Tauranga, New Zealand, where our vision is to equip you for a sustained life of intimacy with God, leading to an eternal impact in the world around you. Everybody, welcome back to the Furnace Podcast. So good to be in for another edition. And uh, today I'm joined in the studio with the man himself, Josh Cole. Good to have you on again, bro. So good to be here, mate. It's awesome. I, I just love these conversations, man. Just hearing your heart for Jesus, it's just infectious, man. Like I remember the first time we sat down ages ago over coffee, and just like, who is this guy? Just like, you're just a dude, you know, like. You're so casual and you're just yourself, but yet you just have a fire inside of you. And I just love it, man. It's, it's uh, awesome. You're, you're too too much, James, too much. Too Mickey, as we'd say in New Zealand. <laughs> um, so, bro, where are we going today? We've, we've been talking really on this theme of God's beauty. And last last episode, we we're really exploring Psalm 27 for this cry of David, this king in the Bible who cried out, uh, you know, there's one thing that I desire and all that I am and all that I do is to seek the beauty of the Lord and to be in his house where he is, that's where I want to be. And so we were kind of unpacking that a little bit, getting a little bit of a vision for why this is important to the life of the believer and how this affects the outworking of that. And so today, I guess we're going to go a little deeper into that. So those listening, buckle up, put on your seatbelt. Uh, hopefully, if you are driving, you've got that on. But literally, we, we, we hope and our prayer out of this conversation is that you would get just downloads of God's heart. Absolutely. Oh, so good. So Josh, take it take it away. Where are we going today, bro? Yeah, there really is nothing more powerful than when God just reveals himself to us and uh, we just get wrecked. So our prayer is that, that you would get wrecked today as you just dive in deeper into what was really in David's heart. And uh, where we want to go today, James, uh, we want to dive into more of this whole idea of God dwelling on the earth with us. God dwelling with us. Wow. And it's a profound concept that's seen right from Genesis all the way down to Revelation is, is that God wants to be with us. There is nothing more, I think, uh, ravenous in God's heart than his zeal to be with us, to be with man. And for us to understand that, that that's his deepest desire is to dwell with us. And uh, you, like I said, you see that right from Genesis and right to the wedding, the marriage supper of the Lamb in Revelation 22, where God comes down and he makes his home with us forever, which is an amazing idea to think about. And so that's where we want to go today. Oh, Josh, that's so good, bro. Come on, man. I love that. So I guess how do we begin unpacking that? Where do we even see this in the Bible? And, and how do we kind of know what God's plan for us is to dwell with us? Yeah, it's like, you know, if you remember the first time you ever bought a car, and you begin to look for a certain type of car that you want to buy. And all of a sudden you begin to notice that type of car. Maybe it's a Toyota Corolla, whatever it is. You begin to notice there's thousands of them on the road and you never saw them before. When you begin to look at the idea that God wants a dwelling place with us on the earth, and you begin to look through the scripture, you begin to see it everywhere. So when you say, where do we start? It's like almost Every chapter in the entire canon actually revolves around this idea that God wants to be with us. But uh, often people say, well, what's the whole point of the whole story of God and man? Where could you sum that up in one verse? And I think the verse for me that is, is a starting point, is a place where we can launch off of, 
is really found in Ephesians 1 verse 9 and 10. Come on. And if you were to sum up the whole point of the whole story, it could be found in those uh, two verses where it really talks about this, that, that the fullness of time, the, according to God's pleasure that he makes known the, the, the plan and the mystery of his heart, which is to bring all things in heaven and all things on earth together under the headship of Christ. And so really what that is is a convergence point. It's, 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 it's the marrying of these two realms of heaven and earth. And so um, that's where I start is just the desire of God. But it's his good pleasure. It's his plan is to bring heaven and earth together. Wow. The disciples, you know, they asked Jesus a question. And uh, it was the first, first time they really asked Jesus. Well, it was the only time actually we have where they asked Jesus to teach them something. And they said, Jesus, teach us to pray. It's in, you, in Luke 11. And, and, and the Lord gives the Lord's prayer. He says, when you pray, say, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Where? On the earth as it is in heaven. And so even at the centerpiece of prayer and the Lord coaching us how to pray is to ask for heaven to come to earth and for the same realities that are taking place around the very throne of God to be prevalent here on the earth as well. Man, that's so deep because I guess the way that often the, the Lord's Prayer is seen is just this nice sentimental token prayer that we just pray uh, in, in kind of an ecumenical kind of setting on a Sunday morning gathering. But, man, the depth of that, like you're saying, is that Jesus is literally saying on earth as it is in heaven. He's not just throwing it out as a nice poetic thing. Like that is a reality that is here but yet coming in its fullness. And I just think it's so powerful because, I mean, that just goes so against the grain, doesn't it, of the idea of Christianity is just about us one day getting whipped up to heaven uh, on a cloud somewhere far away, that actually there's a converging of, of that reality, that heavenly reality with our earthly reality. Could you just talk into that a little bit more? Like, yeah, just keep going. Yeah, <laughs> this is so good. Like one of our previous episodes, we're talking about Revelation chapter 4 and what's happening around the throne of God. So day and night, John uh, on the island of Patmos has this vision and he sees day and night these angelic creatures, these living creatures flying around the very throne of God, crying out, holy, holy, holy. It says day and night, they never stop. They never stop. Just think about that for a moment. They never stop. So perpetually around the very being of God himself, there is day and night worship and prayer. And God, there is lightnings and thunderings and voices proceeding from his throne. There's 24 elders around him seated on thrones. And there's a sea of glass. There's fire burning. And it says day and night. This, this act, this activity. It, there is song. There is prayer. There is worship day and night. It never stops. And so when God says, I want on the earth as it is in heaven, where does that it starts with the place of worship? That's mm. the, I mean, that's the, 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 it's a reality that is both in this age and in the age to come is worship and prayer day and night. And it's the rightful response. When you see God rightly, Day and night prayer and worship is the only rightful response. Wow. Wow. So even right now, you're saying there are angels gathered before the throne, before the Father on the throne, and they're on their face in front of him at this very moment. They're looking at him right now. It's not now. just in the Bible 2,000, 3,000 years ago. That's right now. Yeah. And will be continually 
into eternity and yeah. trillion years from now. Yeah. Like that just is so... It's wild to think about. Beyond our understanding, right? Yeah, and I think... Uh, you know, I remember my story in ministry. I started out, you know, 20 years ago and I was kind of on the ministry machine and just going through the motions and I was traveling around teaching a lot and, and uh, we, had, we had training schools we were running and we would check the box and do, do certain aspects of ministry. Mm. And I remember when I got this revelation of uh, the heart of David and his cry and the vow that he made to the Lord to establish a resting place on the earth for him, it wrecked me. It, 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 it completely revolutionized the whole way that I saw, not just church, but ministry and life. And it, when I got a revelation of Psalm 132 and the heart cry of David when he said, Lord, I will not rest. I will not, what he said was, I will not enter my house or go to my bed. I'll not allow sleep to come to my eyes or slumber to my eyelids until I find a place for the Lord, a dwelling place for the mighty one of Jacob. When I saw that heart cry, that vow that David made, as a 20-year-old man, as a young man, it completely revolutionized the whole way that I saw church and ministry. Yeah. It changed everything. Because I went from ministry, the ministry machine, the the job, the the vocation, the the thing that I do to know this is the very reality heart cry of my life. And what I realized is that no man can actually give me what I wanted. There's an itch in my soul that only God could answer and only his presence could answer. There was something that I was made for that was far beyond what anything in this earth could give me. Gold, silver, fame, whatever. There was, there's a deep ache in my soul. And I, when I begin to look at the life of David, I saw that he got it too. And really, it's, it's, it's understanding that when you give God what he wants, ultimately, he'll give us what, he, what we want. Whereas sometimes I think Man. we love God mostly for what he does for us. But David, he loved God because of who God was to him. Wow. God wasn't just the slot machine that he goes to whenever he's desperate and needs. It wasn't a vending machine. Yeah. It wasn't. And it's not living a life just sort of putting a, a coin in a wishing well, hoping that you get something of seeming significance or uh, that makes you feel like you've arrived in some place. When you begin to see God as actually the ultimate answer to the deep longing of your heart, it's a game changer. Man. So let's go back to that vow, that Psalm 132, what David's saying here. Because it's actually not actually David, is it, who's recalling this. It's, it's Solomon, his son, who's recounting, like he's looking at his father's life and going, Lord, remember the cry of my father. Because Solomon had been entrusted, and we're going to go hopefully into this in, in, in deeper detail in other uh, episodes, but he's really talking into the, 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 the cry of David to see a, a physical dwelling place on earth, David's tabernacle, which we call it. Again, we're not going to go too into that right now, but ha- that literally consumed him, that desire. It wasn't just about a building or a gathering place. It was literally a desire on David's heart that kept him up at night uh, and, and, and really like just fully uh, invaded his entire reality. That until I see a place where for where God and his full glory can manifest himself and be at peace among a people. I'm not going to give rest to my heart. Man, that's, that's powerful. How does that connect 
then to the beauty of God's eternal plan, kind of going back to that cry of Jesus and the Lord's Prayer, on earth as it is in heaven. How do you connect those two together and how do we move forward with that uh, in, in mind? Yeah, because David saw what God wanted. And David goes, it's not okay that I'm living in a palace when God is just out in a tent. And David goes, that's it. I am not going to rest. I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give my whole life around this reality. The one thing cry really is this cry, is I am going to give God what he wants. And, uh, and so that's what separates David from everybody else, is that he came, he came into his destiny, yet he wasn't willing to rest. Whereas sometimes we think, well, when we arrive, when we get to this place, then we'll find a place of rest where David goes, ah, I'm not resting until God gets what he wants, which is for heaven to be on earth. And so in part, in David's generation, David was willing to lay it all on the line. He was willing to put his finances, his time, his energy. I mean, you think about him and, and as king even. He's the most powerful man on the earth, yet mm -hmm. he was willing to lay it all down so that God's presence could dwell with man. And yeah, he wasn't perfect. We know that about David's life. I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Nobody listening's perfect. But there's a heart cry that we know that we're made for something more than what this world can offer. And that's what David was, was scratching the itch of that ache is I, I'm made for God. That's I'm so made, good, man. I'm made for God. And he was willing to position his whole kingdom, the whole nation, and to throw down so that God could have what he wants. And it's something that he lived in the in the reality of his of his internal life, wasn't it? Like you see in his earlier years, if you study the life of David, he was out and he would often be with uh, the sheep, <laughs> out tending to the sheep as a shepherd boy, but he would take with him uh, a harp or whatever and he'd be ministering to God's heart. So uh, even in the quiet place, it didn't matter where he was, we see that that was just the, the thing that consumed him completely. Uh, and it wasn't fully realized uh, even at the end of his life, but... Um, he still pursued that with his all of his energy. Yeah, I mean, you think about it. David, he gave his whole life for this reality. That yeah. was the one thing, cry. And yet he wasn't the one to fully inherit it. It was yeah. his son, Solomon. I mean, could we, uh, and I believe God is raising up a generation that will live not for themselves, but for the purposes of God on, in, in a generation. And uh, I just look at David, I'm so provoked. He lives his whole life. He puts everything around this, and yet he wasn't the one to mm. inherit it. It was his son. It's, it's mind-bending to think about that. Man. So could you talk into uh, what this looks like in our daily reality? Like what does it actually look like to give God that desire that he wants to dwell with us? How do we make a dwelling place in our own lives uh, every day, whether that's individually or corporately in our churches or in a gathering place or as a family around the table with our children, what does that look like for you yeah. and how, how could those listening really engage with this message? That's such a good question. You know, the first thing I'll say about that is that anything worthwhile is costly. <laughs> and no one wants to hear that, but it's true. Like anything that is worthwhile in life, it costs you something. And, uh, and we see, you know, in Psalm 132, it was actually Solomon. He said the first part of the vow before he recalls his father's vow he said, remember my father David and all the hardships that he endured. So it actually costs you to put this in place in your own life, individually, as a family, corporately, as a city, as a nation. It's going to cost you. It costs David. It costs him uh, his reputation. It costs him finance. It, costs, it means changing your schedule. It means changing your priorities. 
And that's that's the reality of all of it. And really what we're talking about, James, is is the the, the returning of the first commandment to first place to give God what he wants is the voluntary love of the human heart, the affections of the human heart. And it costs you to do that. Uh, for me, um, the first thing is it always comes down to time because the greatest asset you and I have is 168 hours in the week and how we're going to spend that. And how we reorientate our schedule, how we, how we set out our weekly schedule dictates what we think is most valuable or what we think is most important or what we want to give our love to. And so the first thing I say to people is you got to look at your schedule, how you're spending your time and how you're spending your finances and your resources. I think being in a community is so important, a community that values the same thing that you do. Yeah. When it comes to preparing a resting place or your life being a dwelling place for God, if you're trying to do this on your own, you might be able to in human strength in 10 minutes or an hour. You might, you might go for a week if you're really good, <laughs> maybe a month if you've got superhuman strength, like to, to actually reorientate your schedule, your time, to, yeah. actually, to actually give time. I mean long hours of meditating in his word, loving him, worship, yeah. prayer, actually so dialoguing good. with God, actually – Preparing your life as a as a landing strip for His glory, your living room and your home, your bedroom, whatever it is. I mean, you could do that for maybe a month if you if you go, yeah, I'm going to go hard at this. But I'm telling you, the power of community around this is is so valuable. To get around two or three people, uh, the word says, you know, where two or three are, there I am. In their midst, and I think there's something powerful about doing this with friends. So if you can find one or two people, maybe a group of people, a church, a community that really takes it seriously, you're going to go way further than you will on your own. That's so good. Bro. That's the first thing I'd say. Yeah, hundred yeah. percent. That's so important that we're we're surrounding ourselves with the right people and the right voices. I would even encourage, like, if you're listening, like tuning in to the right inputs. Like, what are the things that you're filling your life with? What messages? What content how is this going to channel you toward uh actually pursuing the beauty of god um, yeah this and, morning and all that you do we i just came from a two-hour bible study with a group of probably about 10 people maybe not even that and there was something about just being in that room together a little bit of food just talking about the word talking about god talking about what he's doing in this generation and just that that 90 minutes together in, in a living room set my heart ablaze and, and, I, and I was good to go. So <laughs> There's good. just something powerful about gathering together yeah. with like-minded people, people of the kindred spirit. I love that, bro. What I love about you, Josh, is that you don't just preach this message, you live it out. And I, I, I look at the last, is it 18 years that the prayer room has been running in our city of Tauranga, where you have literally, you haven't just taken this as like a nice little token kind of message and be like, yeah, cool, I'm going to... Uh, apply that to my heart, you, you've actually called a community. I mean, you're a busy dude uh, running a mission base and, and you've called that mission base to center all that we are and all that we do around uh, a little prayer room. Um, it's not so little at the moment, the physical prayer room, but there are days I know where it's only one or two people in the room, um, but it's still running and I just want to honor you for that. And I, uh, it's so encouraging to, to, to see how many other places and spaces are really uh, calling their communities, churches and, and different mission agencies or prayer movements, whatever they are, or 
or families calling themselves around this message, around the table of putting God first in all that we do. And it's, uh, it's obviously, it's a message that's on God's heart. It's not a new thing. It's been, I mean, it's in the word, obviously, but it, you, you, you can see, hey, when you look around the world at the moment, what God is calling the bride back to, like in the season that we've been in of real shaking globally, and it's causing people to really re- realign to God's heart, which is this, his plan to dwell with us uh, in the center of all that we do and all that we are. So um, oh, I'm mate, just so it's, excited. It, it's, it's been an absolute pleasure, this journey, you know. Um, and it really is uh, centering ourselves. And I believe the Lord wants to raise up a generation, even you as you're listening right now, is to re- restore the first commandment into first place, which is to come back to this place where you live your life for the audience of one, where regardless of whether there's one in the room, hundred in the room, or thousands, where you position your heart where this is for the Lord, this is not for our fame, this is not for our glory, this is, this is our offering to Him, and it seems weak, but this is our love for Him because of His worth, it's because of His beauty. It's because of his eternal plan. And we, we just, I, I see what we're doing here in Tauranga as so small and sometimes so weak. But I think the Lord sees differently than man does. I mean, we know that scripture, right? It says that, the, that man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord's peering into the heart. And he's looking for hearts like David that actually want to give him what he wants. What does he want more than anything? He wants the voluntary affection of the human heart. He wants your heart right now, even as you're listening. Don't underestimate. You talked, asked the question earlier about just the practicals of this, and I think it starts with the 10-second reach of the heart. It's as simple as just those moments in your day where you just whisper, Jesus, I love you. God, I love you, not because of what you do for me, but I love you because of who you are to me. I mean, just that 10-second reach of the heart is powerful. Don't underestimate the power of that before God's throne. Because when you pray, your prayer, your worship, it actually goes somewhere. It goes to a place called God's throne room. And actually your prayers actually fill up those bowls before his very throne room. And so when you pray, know that your prayer goes somewhere. When you love on God, your prayer to him goes somewhere. Your affection goes somewhere. It's like a fragrance to him. That's so good, man. It's so simple. It's so simple. Yeah. It's so simple, but so profound. Yeah. And 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 because I hear it all the time, James. I hear, uh, you've got a heart like David, or man, we just want to have a heart like David. But unless you understand the vow that he made in Psalm one thirty two, you haven't scratched the surface. You don't fully understand David's heart because it costs him everything. Mm. It cost him his whole life. Yeah. Man. So powerful. I it was interesting. I, I drove up to a church. Uh, I was parked out. I was just getting lunch with my wife at a restaurant, and we parked out the front of a church. And inside the church was uh, this this poster, and it said uh, the Davidic spirit or something like that. And it was like to uh, take dominion and and be a warrior and all these things. And it was really good stuff. And I'm like, that's good, but the actual essence of who David is and or was and why he was a warrior and why he was so fierce in his pursuit was that that central thing to his whole life and his purpose and his vision was that Psalm 132 to give God a dwelling place. That's why he was so intense. And you see that outworked in his life. And uh, again, it was from the secret place that he got his strength and where he uh, found that intensity, that passion for Jesus. 
Uh, so I just think it's so good. So I guess, Josh, could you just, uh, lay, I guess, lay down the challenge to us? How do we live for this purpose? How do we live for this with this vision in, in mind? Um, where do we go from here? Rather than it just becoming an ethereal concept in our, in our head uh, to the actual outworking through our hands and our lives. Well, I think God wants a perpetual dwelling place on the earth. And ultimately, the return of Jesus when he comes and we rule and reign with him here in the eternal age, that's the fulfillment of on earth as it is in heaven. But right now we're in the gap and you know we are contending for revival. We're contending for, uh, for his dwelling place here on the earth now, even in this age. And I think God really is raising up cities, places, people that really take this seriously. In fact, you're seeing it right across the planet. In almost every nation, there's day and night prayer and worship. Uh, the, the worship movement right now is just erupting across the planet. And, and all of that, it, it just points, it's just a signpost to God's eternal plan that he wants to dwell on the earth and he wants people to see him rightly and to worship him, him truly in light of who he is. And so I think uh, the call really is today is, is will you give your life? Will you make a vow? David made a vow when he was 20 years old, about 20 years old. He's a young dude and he just saw a glimpse of God's beauty and he didn't even have much responsibility at that time. It was a few sheep. He's just a shepherd boy and he's, 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 he's just beginning his journey and yet he, he saw God and he made a vow, but he made good on his vow. And the interesting thing is in Psalm 132, just a little later on in verse 11, do you know what? God actually made a vow back to David and he said, David, because you're giving me what I want, I'm going to actually cause the fruit of your loins is the phrase, but when you understand the full context of that, is that what God is saying is you're going to have a great, 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 great grandson, and he's going to be he's going to he's been he's going to be Jesus, he's going to be the deliverer who's going to deliver the whole planet, and his name is going to be the son of David. <laughs> you're going to be remembered forever, and so the the idea of that is is David because you're giving me what I want. I'm going to give you something that is so beyond what you could imagine. And I guess the call today is, is will you give God what he wants? Will you position your life? Will you live for him in a way that uh, brings heaven to earth in your context, in your space? Will you change your time, the way you spend your schedule? Will you change the way you spend your finances and your resources? Will you position yourself and your talents around the very eternal purpose of God to bring heaven to earth. Come on, bro. What a challenge. And it costs. It, it's, it's not easy. But I tell you what, it's worth it. Man, will you pay the price to give God what he wants over what you want? Man, what a good good challenge to leave us to, to ponder. And we just, uh, I guess, hope that as you're listening just take that challenge to the Lord. Ask him, God, what does this look like in my context, in my personal life, in my home life, in my community life, uh, wherever that may be. We hope that this has been encouraging and inspiring uh, for all you guys. And uh, yeah, we make it our prayer that, that, that this would just stir something deep, so deep within your heart to give God that first priority in all that you do and all that you are and uh, all that you lay your life down to pursue. So bless you guys. See you on another episode.